This is Living Lean, the show that teaches you how to apply the science of nutrition and training to sustainably create your leanest, strongest body and build the most confident version of yourself. I'm your host, Jeremiah Bear. Let's get into the show. What is going on? Welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by my man, Cody Smith. Cody, thank you for being here, brother. It's an absolute honor, man. I appreciate you having me on today. Of course, dude. So first and foremost, and I want to get into your backstory in just a second here, but can you just give the listeners just a quick overview of who you are, what you're up to right now? Yeah. So uh, like you said, my name's Cody Smith. I am a, uh, I guess you could say a retired CrossFit coach, retired MMA fighter. I uh, own two gyms, a jujitsu gym and then a, a fitness gym. I'm married. I got three boys and <laughs> Man, just so much stuff going on at any point in time. But uh, nonetheless, just got back from a vacation and excited to be here on the show. Um, I guess you could say I'm a jack of all trades doing a bunch of different things. Very much so, man. And that's yeah. There are so many different things. Like Hearing your story, it is always crazy to me how many different things you've done. Mm-hmm. Would you kind of dive into that for us? I want to go through your backstory. Like, What got you to where you are today as far as like your gym owner? you're a programmer, you do all these different things. Like you said, you wear so many hats. What kind of brought you here? Do you always think this was in your future? Or can you take us through like the process of that? Yeah. So if you rewind, gosh, how old am I? 34. If you rewind, I would even say if you go back, you know, 25 years, you know, I can remember as early as, as, you know, seven or eight being self-conscious of my weight. Right. right. So there was, you know, my buddies and I like back in the day, you know, karate kid was the coolest thing. Right. And uh, everybody <laughs> wanted to do the crane kicks and do karate. And or at least that's what we did in Virginia where I was, where I grew up. So we were doing, uh, you know, karate in the front yard, like most normal kids do. And, um, I can just, I just have this like vivid thought in my mind of being self-conscious of how chubby I was. And right. I can remember my friends used to call me butterball and uh, this continued for years. I was always the chubby kid. I was always the, you know, the, the runt of the group. You know, if you fast forward a few years, I would say probably like seventh, eighth grade, I, I grew substantially. I went, you know, from over a summer being the short runt of the group to the tall skinny kid in the group, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was an average baseball player, played football for a few years, and uh, I was just kind of average at everything. And, um, you know, I was the tall skinny kid for a while, didn't really know much about working out other than during the summer doing 10 sets of 10 bench press with my, hundred pound weight set and bicep curls, zero squats because who wants to do legs, right? I feel it. A tall guy, uh, dude. It's, yeah, right, right. And, and I probably should have been doing legs and calves back then, but I wasn't. <laughs> and um, so, I, you know, working out on my back deck with my hundred pound weight set, but that was pretty much it. And, and then, you know, at any point, if I ever wanted to, you know, work out, I just thought it was bench, pre- bench presses and running. <clears throat> so this went on for years. And then eventually I got into high school and, um, in high school, I pretty much discovered pot and girls. And uh, when I discovered those two things, like most guys do, this led me to um, basically eating myself into a point to where, you know, as a six foot, gosh, six foot five, I think I've shrunk now, but as a six foot five guy in high school, um, I got up to, you know, tipping the scales at 300 pounds and uh, really? the weights, yeah. And the weight struggles came back and this went on, you know, I had a, a, a few girlfriends that kind of messed me up in high school and, um, which led me to like, you know, I screwed off my entire high school career, stopped playing high school baseball and 
had a, I had a choice of essentially, you know, working as a pipe fitter at a local pipe fitter union in Virginia or to join the military. Uh, I chose the military because it gave me an opportunity to get out of Suffolk, Virginia, which is where I grew up, and to get out of this environment of, you know, being run by, you know, some relationships that I had at the time. And uh, I had to lose a bunch of weight to get into the Navy. And uh, lost a bunch of weight, got into the military, went to boot camp, discovered that I kind of like working out. But just like most guys, after I got out of boot camp, I was really skinny. Got to A school, met a guy that was like, hey, I'm going to teach you how to work out. We're going to do every machine in the gym today, right? And this, like every day, I did every machine inside of the gym, uh, the base gyms there. And uh, this went on until I got to my first ship. Ended up meeting up and uh, becoming pretty good friends with a lot of the rescue swimmers on the ship. And uh, this led to more of the same, right? Like all the machines, chest every day, arms every day, never do legs, never do calves, you know, your standard bodybuilding stuff. And then, <laughs> oh, go run and swim a lot. And this went on for a while. But when I was in the Navy, I was on the, uh, I was almost called an amphibious assault ship. So I was with uh, a, a good detachment, uh, a big detachment of Marines. And uh, one day, you know, we, I, I, what I did in the Navy was uh, I was a radar guy. So we worked up on the island at the top of the ship and we would come down through the well decks and stuff to go down to our, you know, our birthing where we slept and, and to get chow and stuff like that. And I see these Marines and they're, they're rolling around on a mat in the hangar bay. And, you know, I ended up going and sitting and watching them and they were doing, you know, Marine Corps martial arts or jujitsu. Right. right. And I was really intrigued by it. So as my ship, you know, we were on deployment at the time when we got back from deployment, this led me to like starting to learn more about jujitsu. And then I discovered the UFC and uh, I'll never forget this. A good friend of mine, he actually got me in a guillotine choke, which is like, you know, your head is under his, you know, their arm and they're pulling up on your neck. Right. Uh, the people listening to this can't really see the, the physical uh, picture of it. But uh, nonetheless, this guy choked me out. And, uh, you know, naturally I had some beer muscles going on then. So like, um, I don't remember too much else other than he choked me and I didn't like it. So I ended up searching out a jujitsu gym. And this led me into a compulsory chase of being a competitive mixed martial artist, right? So started with jiu-jitsu, competed a little bit there, got into mixed martial arts. All the while, I also discovered drinking and eating fast food. And I ended up getting fat again for the second time, right? Or for the third time. Because I was chubby when I was a kid, chubby after, uh, chubby in high school, lost the weight, chubby again in the Navy. So like this, this repetitive thing just kept going on right. and on. And, uh, after I started doing mixed martial arts, I uh, had my first fight and I fought as a heavyweight. You know, this was, I was two, 245, I think at the time. Okay. And I fought as a heavyweight and to feel a heavyweight's strength for the first time. And, you know, I'm six foot five, right? But um, I'm, I'm not built like a heavyweight. I'm built like a light heavyweight. Right. <clears throat> you know, I, I won the fight on, um, on a submission, but I just remember the strength of that person, you know, when, when they would grab a hold of me and I didn't like it. And then this also started to make me realize that the guys that I trained with the, the 170 pound welterweights and some of the lightweights are also a lot stronger than me too. And I was like, man, I have to do something because right now the, you know, the way that I'm eating, the way that I'm drinking all the time, not taking my strength and conditioning for fighting seriously is going to eventually hurt me. So I uh, started doing more bodybuilding, wasn't really doing a thing. So then I stumbled on this article called, um, it was like CrossFit, the new revolution. It was in a muscle and fitness because every guy at my age that time read muscle and fitness and men's health, right? That was just right. what we did. And um, it, it was an article by a guy named Andy Petronik. And uh, he was talking about this thing called CrossFit. And I was like, that looks stupid. How am I going to do, you know, how am I going to do a 10 minute workout and that's going to get me in shape? 
And uh, why am I going to only do five sets of five deadlift on one day? And that's going to be it, right? It was so stupid. I didn't understand it. Um, but we, we, there was a gym in Virginia that we used to train with that was like, I guess you could say they were like our satellite gym or our sister gym. Um, they did CrossFit as part of their strength and conditioning program for their fighters. So naturally I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I did a workout out of that magazine and it was really dumb and I didn't do it again for a couple of months. But the, you know, the training, the sparring, all that stuff kept going and I kept getting pushed around by a lot of the smaller guys. And, um, I was like, all right, I got to figure this thing out. Maybe I'll give CrossFit a shot. And, and I can't really tell you, you know, what changed during that time, but something switched, a switch went off to where I was like, this is it for me. And I started, you know, I went head over heels into it. And, uh, then I started decimating guys at the, at basically all levels. I've won two light heavyweight titles, a middleweight title, several grappling competitions. I fought, um, did a couple boxing smokers and, and I literally never lost in competition. And I would attribute it fully to at the time CrossFit and, you know, my work ethic. And this led me to, you know, a love, a devout love for strength conditioning. Right. And, uh, one day I was talking with my coach and I, at that time I had kind of taken over leading the fight team and being in charge of our conditioning there. And I was like, you know, what do you think about me starting a CrossFit gym on this, you know, second story, uh, level of our martial arts facility. And he was like, well, he's like, let's go for it. Let's do it. So uh, went and got my certification, kept training the fight team and kind of figuring out. And then I started noticing like parents of some of the kids were, were kind of watching what we were doing as a fight team. And were curious about this strength and conditioning program we were doing. So I started training some parents there. It was crazy. I mean, we we're on the top floor of our martial arts facility, you know, in CrossFit, traditional CrossFit, you're doing cleans and snatches right. and, and dynamic movements. And uh, we're on the, the second story. We're going through the floor. You know, it, it, was, it was madness. And, and I can't imagine um, how we didn't get shut down. But yeah, that's wild. You know, yeah. So, you know, we started our gym there. Originally, the name was CrossFit Seven Cities from the Seven Cities area of Virginia. And uh, then it just, you know, grew like wildfire. Uh, during that time, I was going through a divorce, fighting a custody battle, all trying to run a business as a government contractor after I got out of the military. I mean, there was, there was a, a, tons of, a ton of balls, but I was juggling a bunch of different things. And I, I really discovered that, like, I love training people. I love strength and conditioning. I was addicted to, you know, learning more about programming, learning more about how to make somebody stronger, how to help somebody to lose body fat faster. Uh, and, and, and just became this obsession of mine. And the gym grew from the second story of the martial arts facility. We then moved into a Harley Davidson, uh, an old Harley Davidson facility in Virginia okay. and, uh, met my, you know, my wife now, and she was in the Navy. I always said I would never, you know, be friends with a military person ever again, but <clears throat> ended up marrying one and she got orders to Washington state here. And, uh, we moved out here probably about seven years ago. And, um, you know, long story short, I uh, was struggling to find a place and I ended up meeting a, a couple that was working in a local gymnastics facility. And I took my gym from in my garage to this local gymnastics facility, grew it from there. And then um, now we're in about an 8,050 square foot facility with uh, hundreds of clients. We service people online and in person. And about a year and a half ago, I decided to get back into my martial arts route and we opened a jujitsu facility right next door to our current training facility. And uh, we run both and doing pretty well. And obviously, COVID's kind of throwing a wrench in the jujitsu stuff right now. But um, the fitness gym has been able to come right back up. We moved away from the CrossFit name into uh, the name of Virtuous Fitness. And um, that's pretty much where we are. And I fast forwarded through some of that last part. So if you have any questions on that, let me know. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot. There's a lot to pack it or to unpack there. There's a lot I want to dive into. Um, sure. First and foremost, man, something you really, really brushed over is the amount of 
growth that the gym has seen. And it sounds like that's in like multiple locations. Mm -hmm. There are so many gyms. Gyms have a crazy high fail rate, right? Right. Okay. What do you think makes, what makes you different? Um, So I heard this quote a long time ago from a guy, uh, his name was Ben Bergeron. And he talked about, he, he made a very clear statement that like, we're not in the coaching business, we're in the relationship business. I like that. And for me, for me, that really made, a, made it a point for me at my gym to where, you know, at the time we were primarily CrossFit. Going into a CrossFit gym is intimidating. There's movements that you don't understand. There's loud music. It's dirty. It doesn't look like traditional things, at the t- especially for its time. It didn't look like the traditional place that most people would think of when they would go into a gym. Right. So if you tackle on all those things and you tackle on the fact that, you know, the people in the gym treat you poorly and they're not thinking about, you know, your concerns and your issues and, and um, the types of things that you have to overcome to even come in the gym. When you, when you pack all those things in, um, I wanted to be a gym to make those type of people feel comfortable, right? I wanted to know more about my clients' fears than they did themselves. And I wanted to solve that problem of, you know, what does it feel like to come in this gym? Well, if you make it the most welcoming place in the world to where all of your best friends are there, you build relationships there. I mean, I went to gyms, you know, over my years before I started this, that people wouldn't know my, I wouldn't know a single person's name in the gym that I would see there all the time. What do we do? We pop our earbuds in, we go in the door, we start training. Versus like you walk in the door here, we've got like our own culture and things that we say to each other and the way that we act. And, and uh, like if you walk in the door and it's easy to walk in the door, you get a great workout. It's friendly. People are welcoming. There's no judgments whatsoever. What used to always make me mad about Globo gyms that I said I would never have in any of my facilities is that if we think about it, people train because they want to look and feel a certain way. Right. Right. So if we go into the gym and we're judged by others in the facility based on how we look currently, isn't that kind of like a, isn't it kind of ridiculous that we get judged in it? Like we're going to this place in the first place to look and feel the way that we want to feel. Like if I already looked and felt the way I wanted to feel, I wouldn't go in the gym in the first place. Right. Right. But you get in a lot of places and, and I don't know if that's changed outside of where we are. I only know my own thing now, but I used to be so frustrated that I would be judged for going into the gym, but it's like, I'm here because I'm not happy where I am. If I was, I wouldn't come here. Right. So we make it in our facility to where we come in and we want to, we legitimately want to build a relationship with you. And we've done the same thing in the jujitsu, in the jujitsu side. So I, I think what has always made us very successful and why we have grown so substantially, we have people that we retain for years, years. I have a lady that's been with me for seven years and she was, you know, I call her patient zero. She started in my garage with me here in Washington, but um, she's been with me for seven years. She's completely changed her life. And that's just one of the hundreds of stories that we have in our facility, but it was all built on the back of creating a relationship with our clients, actually listening to what they want, what their issues are, how they feel, uh, and then getting feedback from them and and implementing things that they would say that they didn't like. Um, So I I would say that that's probably the biggest thing is attributes to your growth. Of course, there's marketing, there's programming, there's all that stuff in there too. But um, the the crux, the thing that we build off of is always building relationships with our clients. I love it. So connection-based coaching, basically. For sure. For sure. I love it, man. And that's, I think that's very applicable, not just to like the in-person setting, right? Like I'm sure, do you work with people exclusively online or is it kind of a hybrid deal? Uh, We do a hybrid now. We used to be 100% in person. The online stuff changed the game for us because, especially during COVID, because it was huge for us to be able to implement the things that a lot of like in-person gyms didn't know how to do that we had been doing for a while. Um, the, The online thing actually came about because we had clients that would leave our gym, go somewhere else 
or would leave our gym, you know, for military or reasons or whatever. And we end up in another state and they're like, I just can't find what you guys give there. And I'm like, even better, we're going to create what we gave you here online. Right. And, um, for the most, like we give them community through groups. We have, you know, checkbacks every month with some of our online clients. I mean, there, there's a lot of the things that we do in person. We've expanded that to the online side as well. I love it. And again, man, I think that's, and I'm just speaking to online because that's very much more like most of the listeners of this podcast. But Mm -hmm. again, like so similar to what I found, like when we go above and beyond to like make sure we're focusing on connection instead of just like, yo, here's your macros, here's your training plan for the week. Like, let me know how things are going next month. That's where, just like you said, that's what, that's how we actually grow things like this, where I think like so many coaches think that their job is just to Okay, I'm giving me their macros. I'm, I'll write you a training program. Okay, my job is done. Talk to you whenever you need an update, right? When I like actually create this thriving community, it takes so much more than that. Right. I mean, if you think about it, like I've had many coaches along my time that would just hand me a training program or hand me a nutrition prescription. And I'm like, yeah, like, like the person, if you believe in a training program and you do it consistently and you trust your coach, it, like really the training is, 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 you know, the most simple, like scientific approach is going to work. It's the person that like, I could give you the most scientific program in the world. I could be all the, all the reps and volume and all that kind of progressive over all the science stuff that that we love to nerd out on. I could give you all that stuff. But if you don't trust me as your coach, we're not going to get anywhere and we're not going to get any results. No, I couldn't agree more, man. It's basically the conversation of creating buy-in, right? Like connection creates trust, which then build more buy-in from our clients. And the reality is just like you're saying, like the science of all this is pretty simple. It's how do we get our clients to buy in and be consistent? For sure. 100% agree. Love it, man. So there's a pretty strong mindset theme in a lot of the content that you put out, which I really enjoy. And I know like Mm -hmm. we have some similar mentors in this regard as well. Mm -hmm. What is that like for you? Where does this strong focus on mindset come from? Um, I guess I would say over the past couple of years, I really discovered that like other than building relationships, like people want more than training. Like they want to be heard. They want to, they want to be mentally strong. And, and I know for myself, like when I started to do, you know, the simple things like journaling and, you know, affirmations and paying attention to some of the mindset based stuff, it, uh, the, the training and for me, my business grew. Right. It, it was a weird concept. And, and, and Jeremiah, you know this and the, the folks know this, uh, the folks listening to this probably don't. But, you know, we we're um, we're also part of like a, a smaller branch of the warrior coaching program. Right. And um, when I first heard the whole concept of like, you know, the, the four dimensional man, right, like your body, your mind, your relationship and your business, like and, and how if you didn't pay attention to one of those dimensions that you couldn't actually grow it was super confusing. Like you mean to tell me that if I am a better father, if I'm a better husband, if I'm just a better person and I listen more and I connect more that my business will grow. It's the weirdest concept that I'd ever heard, which is why it's super successful because it's polar. Right. Right. But it was the weirdest thing that as I just treated people better and I listened and I coached people essentially in some of the things that I was doing, um, it was amazing to watch my business grow. Right. And to, and to let, to give people, you know, more concepts of how to approach their training and their, you know, their, their nutrition from a mental standpoint. Um, it was amazing to just sit back and watch those results come. So I, I would say that the bigger change, the change came because of number one of seeing what it would do in my life, but 
but the, to also know that people, I think a lot now, a lot, and you see this a lot in the online community is that there's, you can coach people so much more deeply, um, and get better results just simply from like listening to them and giving them the, the, the mental ability to work through some of the issues and to really connect to like why they want something in the first place is huge, right? Like whenever I find that a person, like if you're listening to this right now and you're struggling with getting a result, it's likely because you're misaligned, right? Like you're, you're not connected to the purpose of why you want something deeply enough to actually do what is required. At least that's what I found with some of my coaching clients. Right. I couldn't agree more, man. And like speaking of what you mentioned earlier, I know I've had like the most frustrating or like confusing thing for me. I very much like things that like logically make sense. And to me, just like you said this, like, okay, I'm going to focus on other things and that's going to cause my business to grow. That doesn't make sense to me. But I've had the same thing like over and over. Like, I, And I'm guessing you're probably the same way. Very much for me, like the things that come naturally, like I, I can push hard and focus on are going to be business and my body, right? But then when it comes to being and balance or basically my own mindset and my relationships, that's the shit that is like, I don't have time for that, whatever, I'll do it tomorrow morning and it gets pushed back and back. But like for me, ironically too, like my craziest periods of business growth have always come after times where it's like, okay, I'm focusing super hard on being better with like my own mindset work and my relationships, which it is a very weird thing. But yeah, I've had very similar experiences there as well. Yeah, as my marriage got better and uh, as my relationship with my kids got me, like, I always joke around and, you know, I got three boys and each boy was like a different opportunity of learning, right? Right. And um, to, to watch as I've learned to be a better father and to be a more deeply connected husband and to, to, to view things differently, um, my business is, is skyrocketed, skyrocketed just simply from doing those simple practices. And really, you know, other than simple marketing changes and, you know, concentrating on social media more and, 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 and that type of stuff. I, I haven't really changed that much other than just being a good dude and, um, showing up better for my family. And it's been, you know, the weirdest thing to watch the business grow just simply from doing those things. And I think it fully, that also hinges on like, for me, like, like my team is fantastic. And I think that they have been attracted to me. Like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with like the law of attraction, right? Like right. like-minded people end up finding each other, right? Like, my team is just a bunch of people that has a similar mindset and processes that I have. And it's just been amazing to like, as I've been a better father and husband and shown up that way that I've found others to help lead my business with me that are of the same cloth, right? right. Which has been also a big portion of like how we've grown substantially too. I love it, man. Again, dude, I couldn't agree more. I think I've already said that yeah. a shit ton of times yeah. on the show, but I've seen very similar too, and like, even the clients that I attract, like the more I grow and develop, the more like clients I attract that are like, damn, this is like the exact person that I want to work with. It's very, very interesting how that works. So for you, I didn't actually plan to take it this route, but I have heard you talk about like, even within our mentorship calls, relationships a lot and like working on your relationship. So for you, I, just because I'm interested, what within your relationship are like, the non-negotiables or what are the things you've like really focused on to kind of improve that? If you don't mind me asking. So you're talking like a relationship with my kids and my wife and stuff like that. Yes, sir. For yeah, honestly, yeah. Probably so, mostly like towards your wife. Yeah. So, um, I actually got this, this, so number one, like, you know, the first mentorship meeting we ever had when we all sat down and 
I was challenged to make like a relationship goal of like something as simple as date night. Number one, date night's a non-negotiable. That's something that has to happen. And it's something that I plan. I make sure that we get a babysitter. I go somewhere nice. Like um, I push my wife to like, look, we're going out. Let's dress nice. Let's, you know, let's do the thing. That's one non-negotiable. But I would say that the, the biggest thing was this was a mindset shift in like how I view everything that is family related, right? So, um, and, and I think we talked about this. It might've, we might've talked about this on the show when you came online, but like, I've literally made this mindset shift to think of myself as a king. And this 100% comes from Wake Up Warrior right. to, to view myself as the king of my castle. And my wife is the queen, which, and, and my sons are the princes of the castle as well. So I have to teach the princes to take over and eventually be kings later, right? So that's one mindset shift. The other shit, mindset shift too was like, I have to treat the queen the way that a queen should be treated, which is, you know, like making sure that I show up as a strong, certain, um, you know, husband for her. But not only that, I also have to go to war, right? So when I leave my house, when I leave the castle, everything outside is me going to war for the day. When I go to war at, the, at my business, you know, I'm fighting the battle. I'm, I'm hunting the buffalo. I want to make sure that I'm winning the battle to come home and to win for my queen and my kingdom and my castle, right? Um, so that's a, just a simple mindset shift, mindset shift that I made. Um, the other thing too is like when I'm at work, I work, right? I don't, there's no text messages with my wife other than like just kind of basic check-in throughout the day. I'm not sitting in there texting her all day. You know, she's a nurse. She works all day as well. Um, when I'm at work, I work. When I come home, I'm all in. You know, there's no text messages. There's no phone calls. There's no work after 5 p.m. We have an unplugged box in our unplugged box in our kitchen. That's like you know one of those boxes you toss your phone in, and you plug it in, and it charges in the box. I come home and I put my phone up, and I'm I'm in. I'm all in. And um, it, I got that piece of it from um, I don't know if you're familiar with a guy named Jason Kalipa. He has this. He wrote this book called AMRAP Mentality. So in CrossFit, like you know, traditional CrossFit and AMRAP is like you're doing a circuit over and over and over again as fast as you can. You're AMRAPing. You're doing as right. many rounds and reps as possible. So for me, when I get home, like right now, I'm, out, I'm in my work camera. I'm doing as many reps as possible. I'm on this podcast with you. I'm going to get done. I'm going to write some emails. I'm going to go train. Then I've got jujitsu tonight. Like I've got all these things. That's, I'm, I'm AMRAPing work right now. But when I'm done, I get home and I AMRAP my life, right? Which means that like I'm sitting down, I'm engaging with my wife. I'm talking to her. I'm asking her about her day. And I don't even really tell her about my day half the time. I'm just like, hey, how was your day? And I listen. That's right. it. I just listen and I connect with her. I just, I, I don't interject. If she tells me, you know, she had a crappy day and people are treating her a certain way. I don't go and defend her. I just let her get it out. Right. And that's been a crazy shift too. Um, but just making sure that I give my family 100% of my attention when I'm there as much as possible. And then, um, you know, on the weekends, I always make it a point to, to do something with my family. You know, we just bought a, um, a wake surf boat in the fall and, you know, pretty much every weekend right now we're out on the boat. My wife's wake, wake surfing. We're spending time with the family. That's been a huge thing. So, um, I don't know that there's a bunch of, you know, different tactics. Um, and, and I'll tell you about one more that I just implemented here in a second, but I don't know that there's a ton of, you know, tactics that I really do. I just want to make sure that when I'm home, I'm present and I'm there. And, right. um, I actually just started this thing called, um, start, keep, stop, start, keep and stop. So I asked like people in my life, my, my oldest son, my wife, you know, my team, I asked them like, what is one thing? And I do this pretty much. Well, I just started doing it um, monthly, but I asked them, what's one thing I can start doing for you? You know, for my wife, I'd asked her that when we were on our trip, I was like, what can I start doing for you? And she was like, well, start paying more attention to our own personal budget as you do the gyms. 
I was like, all right, cool. And I was like, what should I keep doing? And she was like, I want you to keep being patient with me when, you know, when, cause we have this like running joke at our house and my wife can't close the cabinet door to save her life. Right. So <laughs> it's like, she'll go in there, she'll open up something in the cabinet and I'll come home from work. And you know, she's been home at any point during the day, there's like four cabinets open. I'm like, well, we can't close the cabinets. But she's like, you do so well at like being patient with me. Right. Um, so I want you to keep doing that. And I was like, okay, cool. And uh, the thing that she wanted me to stop doing was getting mad at her over like little, I'm like a OCD clean freak dude. Right. So like I clean everything, I put things away and she was like, I want you to stop being so frustrated with me when, you know, things aren't clean. I was like, all right, cool. So that's been a cool thing that I'm excited to try over the next couple of months because, you know, every month I can start doing something new for her to improve my value as a husband to her. I can um, keep doing things that she likes and then I can stop doing things that she doesn't like. And ultimately, like as a husband, as a, you know, the same way, like we always tell my, my coaches, like sign up our clients every day, like get them to re-sign up mentally. I want to re-sign up my wife for what she did because how many people get into a relationship and then over the course of months and years, I see it with my clients all the time who have relationship stuff that it's just because they stopped signing each other up. So I like relentlessly pursue that the same way I do business. Like how can I make my wife, you know, it's like a game. Like how can I make my wife more in love with me, more happy with our life together and even with my kids as well. Right. I love that, man. I feel like there are so many there's so many valuable takeaways from that. Basically you're saying like, just like we talk about with our clients, like it's basically constantly reselling them, re like getting them re excited about the process. Same thing with your wife, like reselling her own Cody Smith. Yeah. And you know, something that I, like I spent my entire life, I'm not sure if you, this is where you wanted this question to go, but like I, I spent my entire life, like having confidence issues and relationships, just thinking every woman was going to cheat on me. It's right. partly why, you know, another piece of the puzzle, why like being fat for me was such an issue is like, I didn't feel good about myself, but now I have with pretty, pretty high certainty. I never worry about whether my wife has eyes for another person or whether she's looking for something else, because I know with 100, with, you know, no doubt in my mind that I do everything in my power within the time that I am allotted every day to be all in on my family and her. And, um, with that certainty, it's like, you know, you know, Garrett White always talks about like, you know, the person who lies the least is the most powerful person in the room. I feel that way in my relationship to where like, um, I feel pretty powerful because at any given time, I know that I've given 100% effort to her all the time and to my kids. Um, so just, it it makes me feel more comfortable and more, um, I, I guess you could say more protected in my relationship with her. I love that, man. And that's, I'm not at all going to front on this podcast that I'm like the relationship expert by any means, but I know for me, like in many other areas of my life, the biggest thing I've connected with, like a lack of confidence, because same as you, I've struggled with a lack of confidence in so many areas of my life, not just relationships, but all around. And I know for me, one of the biggest things that would always tap my confidence is just knowing that I was like half-assing things that I wasn't giving it a hundred percent of what I was capable of. That sounds like for you then that was like making that switch was the thing that changed for your relationships. Is that true? 100% true. Is that something that had the biggest impact too. Is that something that you were like cognizant of? Like you realize, okay, I need to make this switch and then, and then it'll help. Or did, is it something that you did and then later on realize like, oh shit, this is really what helped. Um, you know, I don't actually know what the switch was. You know, I've always tried to be, you know, just a, a pretty good dude in general, but I guess you could say when, um, when I heard the whole thought of like, 
approaching your relationship the same way you do your business. Because like I'm, I'm an obsessive about learning about training and nutrition right. and coaching and marketing and sales and all these, like we, we obsess about that stuff, right? But it usually stops there versus like, hmm, um, you know, the, the whole have it all lifestyle. Like I want to have it all. I want to have a, a great relationship, a very successful business. You know, I want to long to see my kids every single day. Like um, when I heard that, that whole thought process that like you got to treat your life the same way you treat your business, that four dimensional thing, like it, it made a huge change for me. And I would say that probably happened maybe three years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's definitely, you know, like we said before, all that stuff bleeds together, right? Right. No, for sure. You got me fired up about this now. (laughs) And I have to say, man, hopefully you don't mind me saying this, but just in the last two years that I've known you, I've very clearly been able to see like, just from how you even like talk about your relationships, how much you've grown in that regard and like how much of everything you've been doing has truly worked. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very cool to like hear you talk about it. Cause like you said, like, I remember like talking about this too, like at the initial, um, mastermind that we went to together so that's been really cool to see your growth um not at all the direction that i thought this podcast was gonna go but <laughs> i know right it's all good um one more thing on kind of the mindset i want to ask you because you kind of mentioned this in regards to clients what drives you to do everything that you do um you know growing up you know we weren't poor by any means <clears throat> But their money was always an issue, right? I, I remember I was the last person, and it's so funny, but I was the last person on my street to have a CD player, right? And, and you know, my first two albums, Dr. Doolittle, because it had the Aaliyah song on it, and um, and uh, the Will Smith, the Will Smith Big Willie style, right? Those hey. are my first two CDs ever, right? <laughs> I love but it. I remember, like, my parents always would claim poorhouse, right? They they had demonized people that had money and that had abundance, right. as if they were given it was given to them on a silver platter and I would watch all my friends who had this, my, my, I had this guy named uh, Aaron that was a good friend of mine growing up. He had a, you know, big house, a pool, a trampoline, you know, everything he could ever want. And, um, I mean, he was a spoiled little snot, but you know, like he, he just had all of these things. And I remember the, the envy of that and how my parents were just so okay with living an average mediocre life. And, and, that drove me to want the opposite. Like I wanted to not live average. Like guys, we're here for one life. You don't get a mulligan. You don't get to redo this again. And um, we're taught to like not want more, to just be okay being a cog in a wheel. And like, I, I, I cannot accept being average. I want to leave a legacy to where if you come to Silverdale, Washington, you know about the, the Smith family and their gyms and the, the good work that they did in their community that they were, you know, a part of a faith-based, you know, a faith-based community as well. And they did things there too. Like it's important that I leave a legacy behind and that I teach my sons that it is okay to want more and to be more and that it is not okay. Cause we're seeing this right now everywhere. It's like how people are just being spoon fed, you know, things in life to think and to believe and to do. And, and my family, it, we already know because like, you know, I have a culture and a vision and core values in my business. Well, I also set that in my family as well. Like we have core values, we have a mantra, um, we're, we're going to be making so, a family crest in the fall. Like, but that's all because we want a legacy. Right. So I would say that like the purpose of like wanting all of these things all comes down to showing that, showing that my sons, to show my sons that it is okay to want more and to be more and to have more. And that really like 
your success and your ability to do anything is just simply a choice to not be mediocre, to not be average. And I have nothing wrong with people that choose to live that way. That's their choice. I know for me, I have to expand. I have to go from horizon to horizon nonstop and leave a legacy behind that, you know, um, I, I did this, 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 and, and you should try this if you've never done it before. Um, but I wrote my own eulogy about like, what do I want people to be said about me at my funeral? Right. And one is kind of morbid. It's kind of crazy, but I'll tell you what, it was very enlightening to be like, you know, I want people to say that I did this and I did that and I made them feel a certain way. And you know, that my, my sons looked up to me as somebody that was like honorable and respectful and, um, that, that people valued who we were as a family. So, um, if you wrap all those things up, it's all attributed to like leaving a legacy that matters and to, to just put my little small dent in the world. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be president or anything. Definitely not president right now. Like I'm not trying to do anything huge like that. I just want people to know that we were here and that we did something good pretty much. I love it. Again, you're getting me super fired up on this podcast, man. (laughs) I like it. Um, what do you think makes your mindset so much different than your parents? This is a conversation I've had with my girl a lot lately. Like I feel like, and I don't want to put anybody in categories or anything like that, but we can essentially see like some people are just very much stuck in this role of playing the victim. And some people realize like, okay, this shit is a hundred percent on me. Like I'm responsible for whatever I create, whatever happens in my life. And it's very interesting to me, like straight up, my parents did a, such a good job of this instilling that in me. Whereas like for you, it sounds like you very much came from a different background. Like what do you think made you different? Uh, I would say a pursuit of self-education. Um, you know, when I first met my wife, she was a nurse and I was a broke government contractor going through a divorce with a kid. Like, the, and I always joke with her and I'm like, babe, you never knew that I was a diamond in the rough, did you? And she's like, <laughs> she's like, I had no idea. But um, good thing she didn't want me for anything else other than like just me being good to her. Right. Like, but I remember like I was doing what my parents had taught me for years. Right. I was a good little boy, went to the Navy and got out. The next thing was like, I'm going to go to college. Just like every guy says when he gets every, every person says when they get out of the military that they're going to go to college with their GI bill. Right. Right. Well, I didn't, I found my way into a pipe fitting union and then eventually working for uh, Lowe's doing like the ceiling fan resets. And and, like, I just started to stumble from, and then government contracting, I found myself sitting there with a bunch of retired Navy guys that all they did was complain about everything. And, um, you know, then I found myself dating this beautiful blonde woman who was a nurse who would take me to cookouts and, you know, dinner to restaurants with, you know, doctors and other nurses. And I'm, you know, broke kid who government contracting, paying alimony, going through divorce and a custody battle, right? So I basically decided to like, look, college isn't in the cards for me. I've got to do something else. And um, there were, at the time, there were some local gym owners that were like, posting pictures of books they were reading. And um, I would say books and self-education basically showed me that there is another path other than go to high school, do well, play sports, graduate, go to college, get a good job. There, there's so much more to that. And again, it goes back to making a choice. So I would say the biggest switch um, was triggered. I don't know that when, you know, what triggered it, but the the trigger came from self-education and realizing that like you can learn and grow into anything that you work hard to have. And and I'm not going to sit here and say, if you want to be an astronaut, be an astronaut. Like, you know, we hear that when we're a kid, 
Um, and obviously you, as you get older, it's like, you can't be an astronaut. Like it, it's so weird. The, the, the paradigm shift there. Right. Right. But I'll tell you that anything that you, you know, want to do or want to be can be learned on your own. 100%. I mean, you do a Google search now, you can, they got people building houses off of YouTube channels. Right. So it's like, I would say self-education was like the switch for me to realize that like, um, I don't have to be what my parents said that I needed to be. Um, it, they doubted me. And it's funny, like a year ago, my dad was finally like, Hey man, you know, you did it. I don't, I don't, you know, in my head, I'm like, I'm not done. What do you, t- what did I do? Like, I'm not done yet. But right. to him, it's like, it was him admitting to me that, um, and I weirdly chased, and that's a whole nother podcast, like why I chased that satisfaction or that affirmation. But I was going to ask that actually. Yeah. Yeah. And we can go into it, but it was like that, that moment to realize that like I had switched out of the way that he wanted me to be and proved to him that that way of thinking was just a singular way of thinking and that there are other paths to, you know, living or success or, you know, growth or, you know, man, whatever you want to call it. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Again, dude, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Um, so for you, how have you kind because it sounds like or let me rephrase this do you feel like then from one of your biggest motivators for quite a while was kind of this like affirmation proving to your parents that this was the right route or do you mind diving into that a little bit more yeah well i guess you could say like i wanted to prove to everybody right like nobody i knew was a business owner right i remember like i was the least athletic guy in the world and i would get affirmation from you know beating a navy seal in a crossfit workout Right. Like, because I always thought of myself as less than instead of more than, and, and I, and I still, I'll tell you guys right now, like I still struggle with that every now and then we all do. Right. Like, you know, Oh my God, what if, you know, uh, what if James Fitzgerald of OPEX looks at my content and rips it apart? Right. Like, um, it, it, it's funny OPEX, the OPEX gym just started following me on Instagram this morning. Appreciate that guys. If you're listening to this, but they just started following me and I was like, Oh God, like I gotta be careful. Like they're going to judge me. You know? like, um, but it's just super funny. And, and I think I chased those affirmations because um, I'm still the, you know, the, the poor kid from, you know, downtown Newport News that, um, you know, was this of this mindset that like, this is just my life, right? And, yeah. and I guess this pursuit of affirmation is to, I'm still pursue, like still trying to prove to myself that I'm not the broke kid that grew up in downtown Newport News. Virginia, right? Like, I, I guess that's really it is, uh, every time I get an affirmation and, and this is the wrong way of thinking and I work on it daily, it gets me a little further from that person that I grew up as and how I was, uh, instructed to live by, you know, people around me. Right. Yeah. That's again, man, that's super relatable because everything you said there from like feeling like you're like the least athletic person in the world, like I could probably compete with you for that. Then like for me, that's why lifting was the thing. It was like, I was always just like, like in high school, I was just awkward ass, scrawny, like unathletic kid. And that was like when people started giving me recognition. And then I know even like, again, like when I started my personal training career, that was like the, one of the biggest things, like, fuck, I finally have something that I'm good at. Like I'm getting recognition for But then again, like it was actually this morning working through the be the man challenge. One thing that really kind of fucked me up was, um, I don't remember what question it was. It was one of the mindset assessments. And they were basically talking about like, if your motivation is coming from affirmation from others, 
then you're always like giving other people your power essentially like you're relying on other people to like give you your motivation instead of like and this is very much paraphrasing but instead of having this internal source of it you're always kind of outsourcing it and to me that was such a crazy i was like fuck like not even something that i really had thought about before but and i don't even like have a question that <laughs> this is leading to yeah. it was just a very interesting thought to me yeah you know it's funny like um i was talking with uh we have a a very i feel like she's like a it's hard to explain but she just knows stuff right she's our massage therapist that's located in our gym here and uh she just she's very intuitive she always can tell me what's going to happen it, it, it's the weirdest thing it's hard for me to explain but what do you mean like she just you know she can forecast a certain thing happening or like covid um, like she, she basically said a few weeks ago that COVID was going to have a resurgence. Weird. Here it comes. Right. And, and I know, and it's hard for me to explain, <laughs> but it just, it's just how she is. She's very intuitive. Um, she's a very spiritual person. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'm not fully into the, you know, the whole energy healer and stuff like that, but I do tell you that some of the things she says and when they happen, I'm like, Hmm, interesting. But we were having a conversation about that. And, um, she was essentially saying that like, she's found herself chasing validation and I, and I basically made the statement to her pretty similar to what you're saying that we're like, I know in my mind right now that I am not going to find, this is just me being fully authentic, fully transparent with you and your listeners. Is like, I know that I will not find any more success or any more growth because my, until I get rid of the pursuit of wanting others validation. And then actually Cody told me this as well. He's like, dude, your biggest thing right now is that you do things for others to give you validation or affirmation instead of for yourself. And although it has improved, that is my crux. That is what stops me from doing things. That is what makes me second guess when I want to record a video or talk on a podcast about something or do an interview with somebody. It's like, who am I to give anybody information um, or to give anybody any insight? Because it's like, there's, there's not a strong enough belief in myself. And my current level of being as a person will not be able to take any more weight until I get rid of that that, you know, I don't know if you've done that. There's this portion in the be the man challenge where you carry rocks and stuff like that. And you're like, I haven't done that yet. Okay. So that's a super cool thing. Like, like it's kind of weird, but like if you get into it, it makes sense. Like I won't be able to be any more for anybody else until I get rid of that weight of chasing others affirmations. And I know this and it's something that, you know, in our next 90 day sprint that we do is something that I've got to eradicate. I got to get rid of it because it's what's holding me back personally right now. Okay. So yeah. let me ask you this then. What are you thinking is like your, how do you get rid of that? <clears throat> um, What's the, what are I, the outcomes? I don't know that I have an answer. I think it's going to be something like most, like it's just like training a muscle, right? I have to do more things that make me uncomfortable. I started it a little bit during COVID, just like doing a live, a Facebook live every day, talking about something, something that I journaled about or something that I learned during like my discover portion, right? Of the day, like that was helpful because it gave me more certainty and it also made me think like, I don't care if anybody listens to this video or not. And, um, I think I have to work it like a muscle. I have to do more things that make me uncomfortable that I want to do instead of doing things that I think other people want to see from me. If that right. makes sense. Like oh. I have aspirations to coach people the same way warrior does the same way Cody does like on the deeper side of stuff, like outside of training and nutrition. Right. But there, what holds me back right now is, I'm the, I'm the nutrition fitness coach. I'm not the guy that can teach people how to be a better husband and, and leader and family, even though my family is pretty awesome and my gyms are pretty awesome. Um, there's still this self doubt, but that comes because 
I'm scared of what others are like. You're the fitness guy. Shut up. Who are you going to teach anybody about, you know, relationships? Like, oh, my relationship is pretty good. My wife's hot. So I don't know what else to say to you. Like, yeah. hundred percent, man. And again, yeah. like this is, this has been such a good conversation. This is all so relatable. And honestly, I'm just digging at many of these things because they're so similar to, of course, our lives are different, but so similar to like things that I'm trying to work through myself right now. So awesome. and the interesting thing too, is to like, to see you, to know you from the outside, even like as me, someone that knows you pretty well, and I've known you for a couple of years now, I would not once think like, like very much even within our mentorship circle, you're definitely somebody I look up to as like another mentor. Like, so it's very interesting to hear other people's perspectives. And I know like even taking it back to the podcast that I did with you, where we talked about like going to the mastermind and suddenly realizing like, oh shit, like Cody McBroom, like has like all these same like doubts and insecurities as we do. Like very much. I feel like conversations always like this always kind of circle back to like, everybody struggles with essentially the same doubts and insecurities, right? Mm -hmm. We all feel like we're not enough. I think the ones that are successful are the ones that pay the least amount of attention, attention to those insecurities. Cause I would say at this point, and and you probably see this too, is like, sure. I'm insecure. I was insecure about, I did a kettlebell swing tutorial video for my gym today. I was so (laughs) insecure about like, like, what do I know about, I don't have a kettlebell cert. Right kettlebell swings hundreds and hundreds of times, but who am I to teach these things? That was an insecurity. It's just, I did the video in spite of that. And like, yeah, in spite of the insecurity, it still happened. Right. So I think that is the, that's probably how people will get past something like that. And how I plan to just do it more like, like, sure. Like, you know, kettlebell, somebody will come on and crush me. But I, I'll tell you what, um, <laughs> the, the question always comes down to like, can it help somebody? And the answer is always going to be yes. Right. Yeah. I love it, man. I couldn't agree more. Again, dude, this has gone so much different than the direction I expected it to. But this was such this was such a good conversation. This I'm I'm fired up right now. Um, I want to be super respectful of your time, dude. So before I let you go, just um, let the listeners know like where they can find you, anything at all you want to plug. Yeah. So um, Jeremiah was on my podcast. It was another great episode. Uh, it aired last week or week before that, actually. So you can check me out there at the Create Yourself podcast on iTunes. Uh, my gyms are uh, Virtuous Fitness WA on Instagram and Pacific Northwest Jiu Jitsu. And if you want to give me a follow, I'm at Coach Cody Smith. I post, you know, similar content to Jeremiah, more functional, you know, and that's another debatable conversation. More functional fitness. Don't unfollow him. Yeah, yeah. Don't unfollow me because I'm just. <laughs> I don't even check that anymore. Um, yeah. uh, but, you know, feel free to give me a follow there. I, I try to, you know, I talk about my family stuff on there a little bit as well. So um, lately that seems to be something that people are getting stuff from is just like the insights and the way that we approach our family dynamic and stuff like that. Um, but that's really it, man. Perfect, dude. I will link all that up in the show notes again. Thank you for being here, man. For sure. I appreciate you. Yep.